the vine. Uh, there's a child likeness to the faith that comes from being carried in his arms. And it's interesting that uh, the verse, Psalm 56 verse 3, um, that I shared with Shane and Nairi on that day, was one that my little four-year-old, Georgia, learnt in kids' church. And she'd been memorising it every night up until the time we got there and before she'd go to bed, we'd say it. And uh, that was a verse that was um, one Georgia was learning. You know, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And it uh, comes to us at the most difficult times. Uh, whatever your situation, it's great to have that kind of childlike faith that says, when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in you. And that's, uh, it's good to know uh, when we're carried in his arms, he's with us. I wonder if you've been enjoying watching the Olympics. Anyone been watching that? Uh, no, not, not the Olympics. If you have, you've got an old video. So, but <laughs> the Commonwealth Games, it's been great, hasn't it? We've all got to learn our national anthem um, a lot this week. Every time I turn it on, there seems to be Australians standing on the podium and singing Advance Australia Fair, and the crowd are singing with great gusto um, because people who have trained and prepared and planned uh, that they would finally win a gold medal or a, or a silver medal or a, or a bronze medal have received their rewards of hard work. But how many know that discipline doesn't come just easy? Uh, actually getting a gold medal takes a lot of hard work. In fact, this morning's message is called The Rewards of Self-Discipline. And when we talk about discipline, most of us want to run a mile, don't we? Uh, the first sort of definition in the dictionary says that discipline is punishment. Uh, punishment. So it's not very pleasing or kind to experience discipline. But the second uh, definition offered in the dictionary is that it's training that corrects, moulds or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. Training that perfects. Um, discipline, in other words, is training and it's learning self-control. If we say someone's a, dis a disciplined person, then what we mean is that person is someone who has great control, great self-control in their life. How important is self-control, do you think? How important is it to be someone who has great self-control, self-discipline in their lives? This is what it says in Proverbs 25 and verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down, is a man or woman who lacks self-discipline. Uh, you know, a, a strong and a safe guarded city in biblical times had high, thick walls, uh, thick, strong walls that went right around the city that would protect the city from invaders. Enemies had to sort of camp around um, outside the camp in a vulnerable sort of open position if they were going to storm a place that had strong walls around it. And they'd be out in the open and those in the city behind the walls were safe and could shoot out arrows and um, uh, launch an attack while people were out in the open fields trying to attack the city. So a strong city provided a lot of defences. 
and protection. The people felt safe inside the walls of, of a city that were, where the walls were impenetrable. But if the walls collapsed, you know, like the city of Jericho, when they'd marched around the, the whole city many times and blew the trumpets, then the enemy could just go straight in and take the city. That's why when Nehemiah heard that the walls in Jerusalem were down, he grieved because the city was vulnerable to attack. God's people were open and vulnerable to attack. So Proverbs 25 says that a self-disciplined person has a great defence in life. Uh, When the devil comes and tries to tempt us, a self-disciplined person, someone who has already prepared and the walls are up high, won't be so vulnerable. But if we're undisciplined, if we're prone just to do whatever takes our fancy, and we, if, we, if we haven't actually uh, decided in advance what we're going to do and how we're going to act when temptation comes, we're just like a, a city without walls and Satan can just walk right into our lives and cause turmoil. He can stroll in and do whatever he wishes. That's why uh, Peter wrote in, in, in 1 Peter, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith. You know, uh, the call is to say be someone who's self-disciplined. Be someone who stands firm in the faith in your life. Now, when when we hear the word discipline, we turn off, don't we? Sometimes because it seems like hard work. It seems like... Uh, taking all the joy out of my life uh, so that I might have to do things that I don't want to do. We kind of hate, hate it often. But many people who have learnt to be disciplined people find that discipline is not so much a bind that we have to endure, but it becomes a blessing that helps us do what we want to do in our lives. Um, think of, for example, the... Commonwealth Games medalist Libby Lenton. She has had to train so hard, discipline her life so that she can receive gold medals. And as she stands on the podium to collect another gold medal, how do you think she sees self-discipline? Is it an enemy or is it a friend? Is it something that's been a bind to her or something that has helped her achieve her goal? Oh, the joy of standing there receiving a gold medal uh, must be, make her feel like self-discipline has all been worth it. Uh, Mishka Elman, one of the greatest violinists of the 20th century, was walking through the streets of New York City one afternoon when a tourist approached him and said, Excuse me, sir, uh, the stranger began, could you tell me how to get to Carnegie Hall, one of the great music halls in New York? Elman sighed deeply and replied, Practice, practice, practice. (laughs) In order to be great at things, we need discipline. And it can be our greatest friend. Gary Player, one of the most successful golfers of all time, uh, lost count of many times someone came up to him and said, I'd give anything if I could to hit a golf ball like you. After one particularly grueling day on the golf course, Player couldn't resist correcting the person. He said, No, you wouldn't. 
You'd give anything to hit a golf ball like me if it were easy. Player then listed the things one would have to do in order to achieve his level of play. You've got to get up at five o'clock in the morning, go out and hit a thousand balls, walk up the clubhouse and put a bandage on your hand where it started to bleed and then go out and hit another thousand golf balls. That's what it takes to hit a golf ball like me. Another professional golfer, Chi uh, Chi Rodriguez, put it this way. He said, preparation through steady patience is the only honest avenue to achieving your potential. Yep, self-discipline is an indispensable tool for living lives the way God has called us to. If he created you for purpose, if he made you for anything more than just taking up space on this earth, then you're going to need self-discipline in your life to achieve the purposes he's created you for. Uh, it's just one of the indispensable tools that you can't let go of. So I want to encourage you this morning to, to grab hold of self-discipline and to treat it like your friend. Because the Bible warns strongly about what happens to people who don't. Look what it says in, in Proverbs. He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame. Proverbs 13 and verse 18. Uh, what a difference between the self-disciplined person and the undisciplined person. They don't achieve their goals and life becomes something filled with shame. So how do you, how do you get uh, self-discipline? How can we unpack it this morning in the time we've got left just so that we can understand it and perhaps take this tool and live it in our lives. You know, the first thing that you need if you're going to have self-discipline is you need to shoot for the moon. I mean, when it comes to having uh, goals and uh, a vision and desires, you need to dream big. You, you might think, well, that's a silly thing to say, Jonathan. That's silly. But look at it this way. If you just want to have an ordinary job, no challenge, something that you just turn up to and get home and get the job done. If you want just an average marriage, one that just scrapes by and just makes it part through. If you want to have just an ordinary uh, Christian life where you do the bare minimum and perhaps just scrape through the last way, then you don't need discipline. You don't need discipline to be able to do that. But if you want to really do the full, you know, achieve fully with what you're given, then you need goals that are appropriate uh, to, to require good self-discipline. So here's how it works. If you want to be uh, challenged at your work from nine to five, if you want to work really hard and achieve the best, well, shoot high when you make your goal. Pick a, whole, a goal that will actually require great self-discipline. If you want to be a great husband or a great wife, then find out what God wants a great wife and a great husband to be and try and do it exactly that way. Try and live to the full so that your marriage is not just one that gets by but one that's fabulous. Have a great goal so that you can reach it and do it well. You know, if we dream of fulfilling our highest potential, Educa educationally or in our careers, 
then we're gonna, it's going to require discipline for us to do that. If we dream of becoming the best spouse, best parent, best friend to those around us, then we're, we're going to need discipline in those friendships that we have. If we dream of using the gifts that God's given us to the absolute full that he's, he's given us for, then you just can't go around hoping one day that you'll get an opportunity to use them. You need to be disciplined in using them. If you need to uh, do all these things, then you're going to need discipline. In fact, every person I know who I can think of that has really achieved great things in their life, you know, teachers, musicians, politicians, singers, Christians, uh, they've tapped into the power of self-discipline. And they've actually said, well, if I'm going to do what I feel God has called me to do with my life, and it's serious about making goals that are appropriate to what he's called me to do. Some people think it's just a matter of revving yourself up. You know, oh, I'm going to give it a great go. I'm going to try and just just give it a shot. You know, like uh, sort of self-talk, the way it is. There's a story about um, one autumn in in Texas. There was a local sort of uh, gridiron team that were playing and they were just having a terrible season. Every week when they showed up, they would just lose miserably. And the hometown crowd would just cheer and cheer, but nothing kept happening. And finally, there was a really wealthy oil uh, man in the team and he could, uh, who was a parent, and he could take it no longer. And he said, um, look, I'm, uh, can I address the team? And he talked to all the boys and he said, now listen, when I wore the green and gold jerseys that you wear, we won nearly every game. Now look at you, you become a joke. You need some motivation. So here's my proposition. You win this one game and I will personally buy each of you a brand new pickup truck. And the students, they, they, they began to think, oh, wow, you know, these, these players. Wow, imagine if I could have this pickup truck. Imagine if, what I'd look driving around. And they obsessed over which girls uh, would ride in the trucks with them and what sort of things they'd put on the back, what bumper stickers they'd have. And they were so excited at the prospect of driving a pickup truck that they could almost smell the new car smell. And they hung a big poster of the truck in the change rooms. And then they went out the following week and lost the game (laughs) 38-0. They got slaughtered. Why? Because just hoping and just trying to do a lot of self-talk doesn't actually help very much. You need to have the discipline in your life of habits that are continually causing you to do the things that will help you achieve the goals that you feel God has called you to. So the first thing, get some goals, shoot for the moon, try and find the things that you really feel God is calling you to do in your life that you know he's gifted you and called you to do. If you're a husband, be great at it. If your wife, be great at it. If your parent, maybe you want to say, I'm just going to try and be the best parent that I can be. If it's something to do with your your Christian life, which we know God wants us to be people that are praying, that are worshipping him every day, that are reading our Bible, that are attending church regularly, then make these goals, goals that you will stick to and, and create habits that go with them. So that's the first thing, shoot for the moon. The second thing, I think when it comes to, um, look, by the way, here's, um, no, I'll show you that in a minute. Libby Lenton, she she knows the joy, doesn't she, of actually shooting for a goal that's high and achieving it. 
You know, she stands on the podium. There's rewards for her that come from making tough decisions before. And you'll experience great rewards in your life as you honour God. And the audience won't just be a crowd of Australians who will go home again later on and forget you pretty soon. But it'll be God who looks and says, well done. You shot for the moon. You tried to be the best that you could with what I gave you. And look at the rewards. Second thing, pay now and play later. You remember that? Anyone ever said that to you? I know my parents used to say that. Jonathan, do your homework. Get it done quick. Otherwise, you'll never get anything done. Well, it says, remember the verse that says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. One of the self-control things that we need is to actually know how to pay now and play later. Picture this scenario for a little while. Uh, One of the ways that we pay now and play later is through what's called delayed gratification. Now, that just means that instead of getting what you want now, you put it off until the right time when you can enjoy it properly. Now, imagine this with me. There's a, a little boy, goes to a birthday party, and he is given a big piece of cake with beautiful chocolate icing on the top. And this little boy has heard my message this morning, and he's really keen about self-discipline, and he's trying to take it seriously in his life. So rather than eating the icing straight off the cake, he eats the cake first and eats every little bit of the cake, saves the icing till last and eats it lovely. He's serious about it. Then he grows up a little bit older and he gets to to, to primary school and they start to give him homework. And he quickly realises that if he does his homework in the few hours after he gets home from school, then he'll be able to enjoy the rest of the day relaxing and having time mucking around. Rather than spending all the day mucking around with his homework hanging over his head, he can actually get it done first and enjoy the rest of the day. And then in the morning when he gets up for school, he doesn't have to worry about getting it all done at the last minute, but he gets there with it all ready to go. It's all been done the night before. After school and university, he applies then for a number of jobs when he's learnt this principle of delaying gratification. And he gets a job. It's not the best paid job in the world, but it's one that he enjoys and he works hard and he does what he needs, he knows needs to be done first in his work and he works diligently at it. He puts in all his time hard, knowing that this work now will invest in the future. 20 years later, he finds that from just starting in that job, he's grown in his reputation and now he's a manager in in the place where he started 20 years ago. And he's well respected in the company. He's also enjoying financial stability. Uh, Financial stability that many of his peers and friends could only dream of. Why? Well, it's because of this. He he made serious decisions early on about how he would handle his money. First, in accordance to scripture, he decided to give 10% of his income and uh, to all that God was doing. Then he saved some of his income every week. And he invested it regularly. And little by little, because of that delayed gratification, not wanting to spend it straight away on just everything that came up, his little investments grew. And he now enjoys great stability. He's even been putting stuff in superannuation and it's built up over those 20 years. He looks back on his life and he says, wow, I'm pleased. I learnt to pay now and play later when I was a boy. You know, the truth is, It doesn't always happen like our imaginary friend, does it? 
sometimes you do all those things and it doesn't actually end up resulting in the way that you hope. But that's the exception I've found. I, I think God calls us to do the best that we can with all that we have. And sometimes that means paying now and playing later in different areas of our lives. I wonder for you, would you love to sit back in years to come and be able to say, I'm glad I've done what I needed to at the right time so that now I can enjoy the rewards of self-discipline. Consider this in, in relationships. A French, friendship grows. You start to become friends with, other people, with, with another person. And then within the relationship, there's a conflict that starts. There's something that's said that's not nice. But you've learnt the thing of delayed you know, gratification. So instead of putting it off and not calling, and instead of leaving it and never calling them again and just leaving the friendship there, you pick up the phone, even though it's painful, even though you don't want to talk to them. You know that it's better to pay now and play later when it comes to relationship. So you say, look, I'm sorry. It must be a misunderstanding. Can we talk about this? We need to do that now. And instead of having just a series of broken friendships that have got to a point that was pretty good and then there's conflict and you've left it behind and you look back in your life years ago and say, I don't really have any really deep friends. Instead, you come back to here and you pick up the phone and call them. And friendships are stronger and deeper because you don't delay gratification. It's the same when it comes to uh, so many different areas of our lives. Physical exercise is one of these. You know, it's always easier to put off exercising, isn't it? Because it hurts and it's painful. But when you decide that you're going to do it, even though it is painful, even though it's hurtful, and you do it straight away, you'll enjoy the benefits later on. So the first thing, shoot for the moon. Second thing, decide that you will uh, pay now and play later. And at the end of your life, may you know this is true, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, that all that you've put your work into by delaying a gratification will bring its fruit at the right time. And this might be your reward after all of that. While times when these ladies never uh, went out with their friends, while they never mucked around and did all other things, while they trained hard, the rewards they're receiving together uh, are the result of their hard work. The final thing I want to help, I want to share with how we can uh, have this kind of self-discipline in our life is to actually make a decision now, right? Decide now about things that will happen in the future. It's not, it's often what we do is we know what we should do, but we don't make a decision in the light of day. And often when we get to the actual situation that we're facing, it's too late because we're right in the midst of temptation. Um, it's too late to make a decision when you're right in the midst of temptation. But if you decide beforehand how you're going to act, that will help you. You know, if you look in um, Proverbs and right in the first few chapters there, there's some sort of rated R sections of the book of Proverbs. And it's all about um, the, the, this kind of woman who's a kind of woman that's trying to entangle the young man. And the father, or the father sort of says to his sons, you know, here's some advice for you. Decide now that you won't get tangled up uh, in her callings. Look what it says in Proverbs 5, 7 and 8. 
So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I am about to say. Run from her. Don't go near the door of her house. You know, so many people, men and women, make a, don't make the decision before they fall into temptation to run. And what the writer here is saying in Proverbs is, you better make a decision early and get on the side of sticking to that decision. So when temptation does come, you've already decided to bolt and run and run a mile. So the writer is saying here, decide now what your action will be when you're in the heat of, of the problems. So for you, if there's a temptation when you turn on your, your computer to look at things that you shouldn't, decide now to put yourself in a place where no one, you'll never be in the room alone without somebody else there. Uh, put a filter on your computer. If your problem is getting to the shops and overspending, decide now when you're away from the shops uh, what things you're going to do. Only take the amount of money that you, you, you've decided to spend there. Make some decisions beforehand so that when you get there, you are not making up your decision on the mind. Because how many people know that once it starts and you're there, you tend to give in too much? I mean, if you put this into getting up in the morning, if you go to bed the night before and you make, put, put it at a certain time and you say, well, I'll see how I feel in the morning, whether I'll get up at that time. You know, I'll put it on for six, but let's see how I feel in the morning. How many people who do that actually get up at six? I mean, when you make the decision-making to be when you wake up in the morning, it's uh, much harder than if you make the decision the night before. Make a decision in the light of day and stick to it, especially when it comes to um, your, your sexual purity, especially when it comes to the way we spend our money, especially when it comes to the time that we use and, and whether we get up in the morning in time to have our, our time with God or whether we get up in the morning to spend time with the family. It's important to know how we're doing. This is what it says in Proverbs 6.25. Can a man scoop fire into his lap and not be burned? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? Run from sin in order to keep pure. You know, this is the same, this whole idea about marriage. Mandy and I have made some decisions early on. I know in Bible college I did some reading and found that often um, marriages in the ministry uh, suffered a lot of stress and often what can happen is people get into ministry because they love God and they want to do whatever he wants them to do and often that goal can be the number one goal and that everything becomes consuming and starts neglecting family and other important relationships. So very early on, Mandy and I made a decision before we got to the decision, the time when I might be tempted to sacrifice my family for ministry, that God would come first in, in my life, in Mandy's life, that our marriage would come second in our family, and then everything from that would flow out, ministry and everything from there. So we made sure that rather than just saying that, we'd make some decisions about how we'd do our time. So part of that meant that every week, Mandy and I have a date night together. It's kind of a little bit romantic and uh, we look forward to Thursday nights when we um, get together. Sometimes it'll just be sitting down and spending time together chatting. Sometimes it'll be uh, watching our, TV, our favourite TV show. Sometimes it will be, don't you worry about that. <laughs> 
Other times we've decided that we would make a weekend away every year where we'd go on our anniversary and we'd reflect on the year that has passed and look to the year ahead and so that we'd be able to put this as a marker every year remembering our marriage and the great things that we've experienced and what we hope for the future. We take four weeks holiday every year so that family moments and family experiences are created and enjoyed together. We go right away from Wodonga for those four weeks and enjoy that time. You know, we, we protect our days off. You know, there are times when um, we, we just get right out of the house and go away so that we can rest and enjoy time together. We don't answer the phone at tea time so that our family tea time together is not interrupted. They're things that we've decided now so that down the track we don't have to make the decisions while everyone's trying to encroach on those times. I wonder for you, what decisions do you need to make now? Are there things that you know God's calling you to do and yet you haven't acted for a number of years? Well, maybe you need to decide. You've got to get a goal in that area. Shoot for the moon. Got to pay now so I can play later. The final thing you know, that I really uh, have to do is make some real decisions right now on what I'm going to do. Is it in your areas of quiet time? Is it reading the Bible? Is it coming to church consistently? Is it being in a small group so you can have great relationships with people that go deeper? Is it in giving to the poor? Maybe you've neglected people uh, who are poor and, 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 and people that are suffering in this world and you haven't ever given to them. Is it through being the best that you can at work? Make some decisions because self-discipline is a tool that we can pick up and use effectively in our lives. You know, that's why Paul uh, said, I, I don't make it a, 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 just something to chance. This is what I do. He says in verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, trying to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul is saying, I do everything I can to do what God has called me to so that my life has not been a waste. Uh, as we close now, how can you actually have this discipline? Well, it comes from knowing Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, goodness, and self-control. The more you come to know God and His Spirit lives within you, the more out of your chaos will come an order, a desire to put His priorities at the number one in your life. A sign of maturity is self-control, self-discipline. So this morning, if you lack it, ask God for it. Come closer to him. Come right to his feet and say, God, give me the strength, the self-control to live the way you've called me to. Let's pray, shall we? God, we want to thank you. Thank you for creating us, making us in your image. Thank you, God, that you love us, you value us that you think that we're worth dying for. God, that gives our whole lives a great sense of purpose. It's not just chance that we're here. It's not just a thing in our lives that we can be just kind of flippant with. We want to use the gifts that you've given us to the full God. We want to make the most of the time that we have so we can glorify you and honour you. Help us to be people that are full of self-discipline, that shoot for the moon so that all that you have longed that we would be, we become. 
God, would you give us strength as we cling to you to do this in our lives? God, we thank you. Thank you for all that you've done in this church and continue to do. Thank you for all that you've been doing in people's lives. Your great mighty power that we've seen at work in Shane and Nairi's life. God, we look to you, the almighty one, to give us strength each day as we live. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that finishes our series on Proverbs this morning. But with one series ending, a new series begins. And next week starts the series, Jesus, who do you say I am? We've got four weeks that will be leading right into Easter. And this would be a great uh, series to invite friends. So many people are asking about Jesus. So grab one of these as you leave from the foyer and uh, from the information desk and invite some friends as well. Um, we just want to let you know Wednesday week we're starting our first leadership night and we'll be inviting our leaders to come. So put Wednesday week in the diary.